You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. It's Celtics coverage on clnsradio.com. Right now and share your thoughts toll free three four seven two one five seven 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 one. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CLNS Media Celtics post game show. I'm your host Taylor McLeod and I'll be here with Bobby Manning breaking down that one twenty three one fifteen Boston Celtics victory over the Atlanta Hawks. Want to remind you guys to call in 347-215-7771. Again, that's 347-215-7771. Call lines are brought to you by betonline.ag. Obviously, the Super Bowl was last night, so football wraps up. We got NBA headed towards the All-Star break, and we'll have, you know, the home stretch after that. Hockey, the same thing. Go over to betonline.ag, enter promo code CLNS50 for 50% back, a 50% bonus, excuse me on your first deposit with betonline.ag. Again, that's CLNS50 for a 50% bonus. On your first deposit, call in. Our call lines are 347-215-7771. Celtics take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight in Atlanta. Uh, No Kemba Walker. uh, No Marcus Smart. C's coming off a big win against Philly this weekend. And they really went out there and took care of business tonight. Obviously, the Hawks shot the hell out of the ball for, you know, quite most of the game. Kevin Herter played very well for Atlanta. Um, Trey Young did his thing like you expect him to do. Trey Young scores 34. Kevin Herter Herter scores 23. Both guys are, you know, sharp shooters from everywhere on the floor, but especially from three. They got a little hot for parts of the game. Trey Young's an all-star starter, so 34 points from him isn't necessarily the most surprising thing in the world. 23 from Herter, not the most surprising thing in the world either. I didn't think anything about this game was, you know, out of the ordinary. The Hawks aren't great. Celtics are, you know, a team looking to really establish their identity. Obviously, trade deadline Thursday, we had a lot of Capella talk today. Whether or not the Celtics should include, I saw discussions, you know, ranging from Marcus Smart to Romeo Langford to Daniel Tice, including a couple first-round picks because, Houston needs the picks and the salary relief to make a move for Robert Covington. So I was seeing a bunch of stuff today, obviously a bunch of a bunch of stuff flying around the Celtics. They go out there, like I said, win 123-115 over the Atlanta Hawks. Jason Tatum leads the Celtics tonight with 28 points on 10 of 20 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. So he shot well from 3, 3 of 3 from the line at chips and 7 rebounds, has a steal, finishes at a plus 19. Gordon Hayward, 24 points. Jalen Brown, 21. Brad Wanamaker had 16 after a very good performance against Philadelphia this weekend. And Grant Williams chips in 13. So you got five guys in double figures, which I'm a big proponent of. I've talked about scoring distribution a lot in my years in this show. Bob, I think I think tonight was a good example of a team without their two, probably their two best facilitators, their two point guards, figuring out a way to get it done. Um, 
No one had any crazy assist numbers. Gordon Hayward paces the team with six assists. What do you see from a Celtics tonight in terms of, you know, just spreading the ball around, spreading responsibility in terms of playmaking and just, you know, playing a good, solid basketball game, getting a win down in Atlanta? I think what we saw most encouraging from this one was the late two-man game of Grant and Hayward because, like you said, they were looking for outlets for distribution all night long. They tried some Tremont Waters. They definitely went through Brown quite a bit, and they got their best steadiest production in those final three to five minutes with Grant and Hayward sharing the floor, whether it was Grant playing the high post, looking for Hayward cutting along the baseline, Hayward running some pick and roll with Cantor to get the ball through him in the high post to Tatum on that huge three in the corner late in this game. They were really creative with the distribution in this one. Cause like you said, Smart and Kemba have had a dominance over the ball all year that, it was going to be tough in this one to miss both of those guys. I believe this is the first night all year that they haven't had those two at the same time out. So I look at those big plays late, Hayward, Grant connecting in the high and low post, and the way the Celtics separated through those final few minutes. And I think that's something Brad could take in the other games, even with Smart and Kemba out there, because they're going to have to play some teams where Tice, Cantor, they might opt to take those guys off the floor and try Grant for some center minutes. I think of maybe a Toronto-type team, a smaller-type team like that, where you definitely run some Cantor to take advantage of the size, but if they want to be at their best on the offensive end, they could try to have Grant out there as an extra outlet for passing. If he's able to take advantage of some of the matchups that better suit him, he can get 10 to 15 points playing the post like he did in this one. Nice pull-up jumper late and that up-and-under layup that completely sealed this game. He didn't pull away, Taylor, until Grant and Hayward were playing that two-man game, and that didn't come until very late in this one because Atlanta was making those runs back in the first, second, and third quarter. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. And you and I were talking about it. We were watching the game together in – there's been so much conversation about how young the Celtics are, how there's a ton of young guys. And even, even the front office has said that. And I tend to, it's not that I disagree because there are a lot of young players, but you look at someone like Grant Williams, who played three years in college, two year SEC player of the year. You look at his highlights. He doesn't play like he's not a 19 year old rookie who's expected to become a superstar. He's a, a, a three year college player who has a certain skill level and can be plugged in and can, you know, affect the game right away. So I think down the stretch in games like this against a team like Atlanta, who is talented and can do a lot, but probably isn't one of the best teams in the NBA. It's really important to get a guy like Grant, who's, you know, an above average intelligence player and also a very skilled basketball player, really, really working with someone like Hayward, who is such a gifted playmaker, because those are two guys who, when you're shorthanded in terms of talent and shorthanded in terms of your, your, you know, everyday playmakers, you have to, you have to improvise. And those two guys working together, they've got extremely high basketball IQ and it works out. And it wasn't smooth, right? Some of those stretches with Carson Edwards on the floor tonight, waters too. You were giving waters a lot of love, but he looks rough in the lane to me still. Like he gets a ton of love relative to what he's actually doing out there. He stripped Trey on a half court and got a layup. Those are the moments why people love him, but there's a lot of other ones where he's a little shaky out there. I mean, him being your 16th man on the roster, what more can he ask for? 
the fact that Javante Green gives them minutes at all as the 15th man of the roster is good. And he starts this game, probably not the best starter, but again, experimentation in a game like this in early February, can't argue with that. So they get 18 minutes from him, six from Carson Edwards. You get 14 from Tremont Waters. I mean, this team can stretch pretty deep into its bench, but it's going to be a challenge when they have to do that. So, frankly, I'm happy with what the bench was able to give them, especially in that second quarter stretch. Ennis Cantor comes back with three putbacks through that period. Those end up being three of his only four buckets until garbage time and late in this one. He still looks a little shaken up out there. But Stevens is able to use the roster all the way down to Maine in this one and get some production that got them through an extremely talented offensive team. And they almost killed themselves with turnovers. Green had a bad one. Williams had a very bad one just before he got going late. And I look back to Waters 3 as well as things that could have had the Celtics losing this game. Atlanta got a little burnt out late too on the offensive end. It looked like after that flurry, Herder 3s. So not really a measuring stick game for the youth by any means. And they didn't play amazing in this one. But given the depth on the team, given the amount of minutes that Stevens pressed them into, I think you can be fairly happy with how they competed at this level. Now I still look at Romeo Langford and say in a game like this, where is he? I, I mean, he has one great moment earlier in the season, nice little stretch of six games. And then a night like this, how is he not the first guy off the bench for them? He's probably still dealing with some injuries, but I still look at that and say that has to go into the evaluation process with a guy like this. The fact that he's injured every two weeks, is a problem because they have needed him throughout stretches of the season. They definitely could have used him tonight in this one. And I just don't know what the deal with him is at this point. We're going to get to some trade deadline discussions later in the show, but as they start to float some pieces out there, I know he's got potential. I know you're a fan. Hearing Tommy Heinsohn throw some praise his way is a little encouraging to me, but frankly, they got to pick the, they got to pick in the middle of this round this year Go out there, try again, get a guy who can actually earn some minutes on this team because they're very wing-heavy already. And use Langford's upside as a deadline piece this trade deadline because I would like to see them get some bench help. Today showed again, I think, use bench help and better teams probably going to cut it, especially against injury. The injury thing where it's heading with Daniel Tyson this one, they were able to sustain it. I don't know if they sustained that injury against, say, the Magic. It's a good point. Um, I think, obviously, I've you know tended to be very optimistic about this team this season, so I don't feel the pressing need to go make a trade. Um, obviously, if they can if they can swing something to improve the team, that's what I want. I think I think going to get a five, going to get a big, like you know, a lot of fans and the media have been talking about for about, you know, a month and a half at this point. It's not a bad idea. They're obviously thin at five. Uh, they out-rebound Atlanta tonight uh, with Cantor playing limited minutes. He get, got nine rebounds in 15 minutes. Tice goes out injured. Obviously, Rob Williams is hurt. I'd like to see them – I'd like to see them improve at five. I don't know if that means going to make a deal or if it means, you know, improved health or what, but – I don't want the Celtics to make a move for the sake of making a move. Um, I think it has to be the right move. I don't want them to give up things that they shouldn't 
And and I I don't think that Danny would do that. I don't think that at this point Danny Ainge is going to go make mistakes, especially in the wake of last year. And honestly, I think this team is just real real fun to watch. In no matter the injuries, no matter whatever. I mean, they've still won seven of their last eight. They've played some good teams in that stretch. I believe in this team as they're constructed, not necessarily to go win a championship, but to play well in the playoffs. I really do. I think that they're built for it. I think they are. Once they tighten up the rotation, the question becomes sustaining an injury and, frankly, having a third rotation wing in there. Because we've seen Semi Ojale, I mean – the fact that Shemi Ojale has gotten the type of airtime that he has over the last two weeks is frankly amazing. Because you can probably go back to every week before that. And we probably didn't mention him once prior to that this season. He's playing well. Nice block from behind tonight. I think he had a bucket in this one as well. No, Did he? no he went 0 for 3. But, you know, he'll chip in a bucket here or there. Probably not enough of a contribution as a fourth wing guy. Because, again, I look at this team, seven, eight guys. They're probably fine in terms of playoff rotation. But any one of those wings get hurt, or especially Smart, and we know he always does get hurt. They need a little more support in the wing category. Ojale, Langford, Green, those guys haven't cut it this year. So that's where I think they could use some help. And it's interesting that they're actually looking at big man, according to the news today. Woj saying the Celtics are involved with talks on the Rockets. And we know what that means. They've probably had talks with the Rockets that have passed at this point. Either that or, as we said on Dome Theory earlier, the Rockets are at it again, hyping up their three role players of P.J. Tucker, Capella, and Eric Gordon in trade talks. I, I doubt that ends up being a move that the Celtics pursue. Probably due diligence on Ainge's part. I know he's always liked Clint Capella. So we'll discuss it. How do you feel about it? Daniel Tice hurt today. I think it brought um, reverberations of what a – injury at that position could do to them especially with how unstable Robert Williams has been this year it's definitely an area where they could improve but is it worth pursuing at that level to um, improve there as I just said it's worth pursuing any it's worth pursuing anything to improve the team that's you know that's how you win basketball games that's how you win championships but with someone like Clint Capella who I do think is a really good basketball player it's not to say that he's been a product of what he's been around, but Clint Capella's best thing is running that pick and roll with James Harden. And James Harden is one of the, the best players in the NBA. He's one of the best pick and roll players in the NBA. And it's not to say that someone on the Celtics couldn't run pick and roll with Clint Capella, but they're not going to get the same. I don't think they're going to get the same offensive production or even defensive you know, production out of Clint Capella that Houston has been able to over the last couple of years. And Tommy Heinsohn said it in the pregame show, and, you know, it's a it's a Tommy Heinsohn old man cliche take, but the the Celtics are hurt. Tice is, you know, Tice went down tonight. Rob Williams is hurt. Cancer's been. It's unbelievable can't, how one right. guy goes down, one guy comes up. It's Cancer back tonight, Tice down with the ankle injury. Cancer's been banged up, and, and everyone's clamoring to go trade for, for Clint Capella, but Clint Capella's injured too. You know what I mean? So have you watched a lot of them this year? I haven't watched a ton of Houston. I've watched enough of Houston to know that he they're not the same with Russell Westbrook. So the the offense doesn't necessarily look the same. But from from watching Houston the last three years, last three, four years with Capella, I've seen enough where it's 
it's a very specific role that he plays. It's not to say that he's pigeonholed in a certain role, but to get the most out of him, you play him in the pick and roll with James Harden. I don't think the Celtics have that person to run that same, that same, that the same type of stuff. And obviously you don't bring him to Boston for his offensive presence, especially not with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum playing the way they are. This is all kind of a long winded way to say that I don't, while a trade for Capella would be interesting. And if they don't have to, if Ainge can figure something out where you're not losing a piece that's, you know, integral to the team, then it'd be great. But my stance is that I wouldn't move anything important to acquire Clint Capella at this point. And we know where this is stemming from. It's not the Celtics that are putting this out there, that they really want Capella and blah, 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 blah. Houston. Houston's trying to finagle all types of moves, acquire assets. Boston's one of those teams that has assets. So surprisingly, they could have been the one that's actually initiating this thing and trying to get Capella out there to Boston, which is interesting. But on the other side of it, you've got to think that they're going to want Marcus Smart Romeo Langford's value probably isn't very high at all around the league right now because he just hasn't played. No one's seen him. He's been injured nonstop. Plus, he has a shooting issue. So they're going to want Smart first and foremost. That's a no. Then you move down to Daniel Tice, who's probably the most next most valuable piece. I wouldn't even give him up for Capella, no. and i drive a hard bargain there because Not he can that. hit free throws. He hit a three tonight. He's a rebounder. He plays the Capella role. And you're frankly going to need a guy like that in rotation off of him. And his cancer is probably the most flexible flexible guy after that. But, you know, an expiring contract, there's no real value there for Houston. And I don't think he improves their team all that much. They're going to be stuck with the same role players they've always had, and they're going to have to figure it out with those guys in Houston. I mean, they're always just trying to find the next best thing. Capella, Gordon, Tucker, those guys are good enough to get it done. they got to figure it out with Westbrook. And frankly, it just shows where they're at. Doesn't mean Boston can just stand pat and live with this bench going forward, though, to me. Because I said going into the season, Taylor, there weren't a lot of people who thought this team was going to contend for the NBA Finals going into this year until we found out Kemba Walker was going to be here. But this team, before Kemba Walker arrived, ran its offseason like they were going to be going young, starting over with Tatum Brown and probably Terry Roger. So they just supplemented all those guys with young talent. They didn't know they'd be extending Jalen Brown. So we're left with a bench that's the product of a rebuilding offseason that preceded Kemba Walker's interest in the team. So that's something that they have to adjust a little bit, is bringing a bench that's more representative of a team that's going to the NBA Finals or is going to shoot to against the Bucks and others. Their biggest deficit, as I've talked about, against the Bucks is the second unit. Box is as good as you can imagine. Celtics still leave a lot to be desired. Now, Cantor, him returning helps them a lot. Grant Williams improving helps them substantially. You could use a guard or a wing to add to those two guys. Yeah, you make good points, and, and I agree with most of them. I do think there's something to be said, though, for the team being, what, third in the East? Oh, I mean, and it's with... because of the top-end talent that they have. And that's where the bench is going to be less important in the playoffs. They're going to be able to run Tatum, Brown, Hayward through pretty much every rotation in the playoffs. The, the pressure to go win a championship every season, and obviously in a city like Boston where championships are the precedent at this point, you're going to have the pressure from fans. You're going to have the pressure to go, you know, whatever. This season, based on how the Celtics are playing, this season especially in terms of the playoffs, it's very important for me to see that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can go in the playoffs and just go play 
like take over games the way they've been doing all regular season. That's what's most important for me as a Celtics fan, you know, watching them go towards the playoffs and ultimately play in the playoffs is, is seeing those two guys take their game to the next level because, you know, Tatum's an all-star. There's a, the argument to be made that Jalen Brown should be an all-star. That's what's the most important for me because I think that no one expected the team to compete the way they are this year. And it's the same thing that keeps happening with Celtics teams every time they get ahead of schedule. And I'm not going to get into the debate of are they ahead behind because of all the Nets assets. I, I'm not entertaining that argument right now. Every time the Celtics, you know, overperform, the expectations immediately go through the roof. And that's to be expected. But then things get skewed. You have a team that is being led by a 22-year-old wing and a 21-year-old wing, a, a you know, max contract point guard who – honestly has been hurt a decent amount this year and and Gordon Hayward who who's you know regaining his form it's very important for me to see you know Brown and Tatum take over and 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 see how those four work together in terms of the nucleus going forward yeah and let's remember that this team hasn't been fully healthy in about two months so if they stand pat I'm not going to lose my mind because you project that right. everybody's going to be in position, and that includes Robert Williams come playoff time. Because, frankly, when we think about tonight, Smart out, Kemba out, Cantor severely limited, and then Tice goes down. That's why we end up seeing you know, the likes of Tremont Waters and Grant Williams playing in crunch time in this one. That's certainly not going to happen come playoff time. But you never know. I still look at this team, and we're Celtics fans, Taylor. We know this happens. A key guy is going to go down late in the playoffs, and I hope this team's able to sustain that in some way. That's obviously not how you build your team, but it's the point of depth. And they don't have a ton of depth this season. We see them going to some very unproven guys when they suffer an injury. And they have suffered quite a few the last month or so. You hope that Tice isn't going to miss very much time right now. But again, we're going to see Vincent Poirier. The fact that he's been playing real minutes in the last week or so with Cantor down over that stretch was just astonishing. And he's another guy I look at, and he's not going to be able to play playoff minutes for them. So we're talking about probably Green. We're talking about Ojo, maybe, Poirier. I mean, you're counting up a significant number of guys who just simply can't play playoff minutes. And if they do, they're in huge trouble. That's why I think there's some urgency to make a deal. Now, i got to bring a name to the table because, you know, that's – what we do we don't trade for nobody you have somebody that they actually target here but i do like the idea of maybe one of the talks wings the warriors selling wings glenn robinson guys like that you could get one of those guys below that's the kind of moves they're going to be making i don't think clint Cole is the one and that's what i've been saying for about a week now if i live to the trade line it's going to be a complicated deadline it's never really been this early no no you're right and I think I would entertain a move like that uh, far more than going to get Capella for the sake of getting Capella. I think there's been a lot of pressure on the Celtics from from the outside, from a lot of – you hear it nationally a lot. They need a five. They need a center. They need a five. They need a center. They probably do. That's probably correct. But I think you're right, especially because it's something that you and I have talked about a lot on air and off air the way they play offense and the way they play defense, but especially the way they play defense is so wing yeah. based that to get another one, to get another talented wing in, in the system would be, would be important moving forward. 
Yeah, and even the one thing I'll give the Capella discussion is that there's a good chance you don't ma- retain Ennis Cantor after this year. So suddenly you're one spot less deeper at center. They have a lot hinging long-term on Rob Williams, who through two seasons has not been able to stay healthy whatsoever. So now you're just leaving up to that one year of tights on the contract. He's probably not a long-term option here, especially as a front-line guy. Capella maybe gives you, through 2023-2024 range, very cost-controlled, high-level center play. Now, he's not perfect. He has his issues. You wonder how he's going to play without James Harden and that Houston offense. Celtics run some similar things here. But, you know, he can't shoot. The free throws concern me. And if he regresses at all, all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's making $15, $16 million a year being a little bit of a hindrance on the cap when they have to uh, spend on Tatum now anyway. So a little bit of flexibility is going to be important too. They have to walk the line between having a guy at center for multiple years, a tradable piece in years to come, and also just having a center, frankly. So, um, Ben Online, I hope you guys did well with your Super Bowl bets. There was a ton of them. I was leaning Chiefs. I ultimately got too scared to pull the trigger, and we saw the Chiefs trailing 20-10 to 10 throughout that game. I would have been very, very terrified, but then I would have been a winner in the end. That's a good point. If you have a gut feeling, head over to betonline.ag. Any one of these college basketball games with March Madness approaching, NBA every single night, great lines, NHL, you can bet on hockey too. Just pick a winner. And then spring training is going to be starting before we know it. I think you can even bet on spring training games if you're that deep into it. I'm all set. So betonline.ag. Use promo code CLNS50 for $20. They'll give you $10 back. That's 50% bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Head over there. Try out some basketball games. I'll give you some picks tomorrow. And you can see what I'm made of from a betting capacity because I'm very good on that end of things. Um, did the Celtics cover tonight? I'm double checking. I'm not that. sure, actually. They probably had a hefty line even on the road. And I'm willing to bet that they didn't cover only winning by seven. Yeah. Speaking of bet online, a reminder, call in 347-215-7771. Those are betonline.ag call lines. 347-215-7771. The Celtics did cover. So if you threw some money on the Celtics, you would be rewarded. I do want to get to these call lines quick. 617, what do you have for us? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chuba calling. How you How you doing, Bobby? Hey, who is this? Chuba. Chuba, welcome. And who else is with you? Uh, this is Taylor McClaire. What's up? Hey, Taylor. Hey, guys. Um, not much. Just, you know, I'm, I was watching the game, and I'm glad we got the W. Um, my question for you guys is, you know, we're, we're hitting the halfway point in the season, and, you know, I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen when the playoffs comes? Because, you know, last time we played in the playoffs, things were kind of um, disappointing. Um, I don't know. Who were, who, who are we projected to face right now? Is it is it Philly? It's going to be Philly, Indiana, or if they end up with the two seed, Orlando. Okay. Cause right Maybe now, even Brooklyn. 
I think the early rounds would be pretty good in our favor. Philly doesn't scare me because right now they have first-round exit written all over their faces right now because that team is a straight-up mess right now, and it's not going to do well on the road. But once you get into the second and third round, you're going to have to face teams like Toronto and um, Milwaukee. And I don't know, man. I mean, I, I wonder if we have the right if this team has the intangibles. Um, now, our numbers are good. The stats are pretty good. But I just wonder if we can uh, – if we have what it takes to go toe-to-toe with the big dogs, big dogs in the league like Giannis. Um, do you think our young players are ready to step up, or do you think that we're going to – you know, what do you guys think? I'm going to say – when it comes, well, we'll go with the at the site levels, really. Um, first round, we're going to be looking at this. This is a conversation that needs to be had. This regular season is crucial for the Celtics because the worse they do, frankly, the worse position they're in. So let's think about the worst case scenario. They're only four games up on the 76ers right now from six. Nobody's falling below six because there's a huge gap between six and seven. It's going to be the Nets and Magic at that 7-8 spot one way or another. But whoever falls to six is either going to see the Heat or Raptors. We haven't seen the Celtics and Raptors go at it with the Raptors at full strength really so far. So that's a scary proposition to me. I do like the Heat as a matchup for the Celtics 2-0 this season, but I don't want to see that round one. And I especially don't want to see the Celtics fall down to that five spot because you get into that 4-5 matchup, you see Milwaukee round two, and you're either getting Philly, Miami, or a dangerous Indiana team round one. And that Indiana team, once Victor Oladipo gets back, is going to be extremely good. Might even jump into the top four like they did late last year. I know last year Celtics handled them pretty easily. I don't want to see that. Either way, if the Celtics stay at two or three, they're going to be looking at a fairly favorable first-round matchup with home court. And those Nets could be tough with Irving. The Magic call, are always I tough. Call, I wouldn't call a matchup against a team they went 1-3 and three too favorable. Wait, who are you talking, Orlando? No, Philly. Yeah, that's a tough one. You want to avoid that one, but with home court, you I'm could probably pull it out with but, seven. But I think when it gets down to playoffs, I think there needs to be a little more a little more respect paid to Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. Well, it depends on what they're going to do by Thursday. Absolutely. Are they making moves? I don't know. I mean, how many times can you can you shuffle that up over there before you address the problem that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can't play together? And that's a seismic move that has to be made over an offseason with maybe a fourth <clears throat> GM. I mean, they are just so screwed up. They're going to ride it out with that team this year, I'd imagine. Maybe pick up an answer answer piece, but um, in terms of the core, they're going to be sick with what they got right there, and, they're, and that's the problem. Things, they're worse. It, it's, a, it's an issue at some level, but there are worse cores than Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Josh Richardson. There are worse situations to be in with Matisse Tybel. I just – I think that Philadelphia has not been playing well. Obviously, they go get smacked tonight by Miami. They've been a disaster Comes lately. Comes playoff time, I'm not – if the Celtics are still the three and Philadelphia is still the six, I'm not anticipating a cakewalk over the Sixers. 
Well, if you're the two of the three, you get through that first round. Then you're talking about Miami and Pacers round two. So you're basically talking about two challenging first two rounds, but getting through there without versing the real monster in the conference. Obviously, my ideal matchup is Brooklyn because that's a team that they've beaten. It'd be wildly exciting going against Irving. I agree. And frankly, I'd feel pretty good about them in four or five in that matchup. Out of out of all the playoff teams, Brooklyn is who I feel best about, you know, in terms of the top eight. I think the Celtics can, can hang with everyone, probably except Milwaukee. I think Toronto has the pedigree, obviously. Um, but in terms of the top eight, even Orlando just has given the Celtics fits before. So yeah, I think that Brooklyn that Brooklyn series would be uh most likely, you know, the one I'd feel best about. And if you're going to play Milwaukee, you got to get there first. So we'll start with the simple things in terms of getting ahead of the other guys in the conference. Uh, let's move on to more callers. 818, what do you have for us? Uh, just listening. Thank you. Oh, sorry about that. All right. 619's Nick. Get right out to 619. Hey, this is uh, Sam in San Diego. Oh, no, it's Sam. Yeah, no, the 619, uh, I always get you and Snotty mixed up, actually, both coming from San Diego out there. Sam, welcome. Hey, uh, that uh, Brooklyn would be fantastic. Uh, imagine we would get top oh, I love on, it. on the uh, playoffs. They would love would that Would Irving story. play in that series, or would there be another injury? That's the only way we seriously see Irving back in Boston. Yeah, can you that's true. Can you imagine that? That'd be awesome. Um, hey, I just had a, just a quick question. Actually, I, I why why am I not hearing Derek Rose as a possibility? Does he make too much money? I mean, he seems like he'd be the perfect guy to bring in. Bring in. Uh, I mean, I know he's not a great shooter from, from from behind the arc, but he's really aggressive to the basket, and and he provides the kind of scoring that we need off the bench. Yeah, the game fits. The personality doesn't. And that's a consideration come this deadline. And frankly, I know Ennis Cantor's name got tossed around in trade talks today. But do you really get rid of him lightly with what he's done in this locker room? I mean, he's been a big factor in this just becoming a fun, you know, cohesive place to play in. Even if he's sitting on the bench and can't play in the playoffs, I like having Cantor here. Rose, I mean, he's coming from just a suck bag team and. Detroit. He's been playing great there. I think he's a good fit on the Lakers or another team that really just has its, you know, personality management down. I mean, the Lakers have just been a master of holding down these big, big personalities and having things fall into place. I still don't think the Celtics have mastered that from that perspective. So Rose becoming just kind of a side piece on the Celtics who's playing sometimes, not playing other times. It's a great contract. It's great value. I don't think they'd have to give up all that much to get him, but I'm staying away. I think he's going to end up with the Lakers. I I don't want Derrick Rose in the Celtics because he's a bad person. But Yeah, there's a lot. I, I don't think he raises the ceiling all that no. much, too, and it's not a huge position I need. I mean, you have three levels of ball handling here, and that's Kemba, Smart, Hayward. I think that's all you need. Yeah, and honestly, like you were saying, and like I'm trying to been, you know, trying to allude to for a while now, after a season like last year where it was very clear that chemistry was the issue, not talent, 
not anything else. It, the chemistry was the problem. To have a team that cl- so very clearly enjoys playing with each other and is winning basketball games doing that way, doing it that way, I'm not in a rush to change that right now. I understand the modern NBA is what it is, and you have to make certain moves, and you have to have certain pieces to, you know, guard, you know, in playoffs, you have people to switch certain screens, all that stuff. I understand the dynamics of it, but after a season like last year, I don't know if I'm in a rush to throw a wrench into what's going on with the Celtics right now. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me, especially when you're playing in the conference where the Bucks are dismantling teams night after night, and Giannis isn't even playing a ton, ton of minutes. You have the MVP in your the same conference, and then you know you're dealing with LeBron and Kawhi on the other side. I don't think that's a reason to to not go for it. I think the Celtics can win can win playoff games, and I think they can win playoff series. I don't see a the point in making a move for a Capella or a Rose or anyone in this situation just because. Yeah, frankly, the moves they had to make was earlier in the summer. I agree. When they could have consolidated things a little bit more, moved up in the draft maybe if that was a possibility, and gotten a better first top-end guy I mean, to play best, off the bench. The best move they could have made, or the, the best scenario that the Celtics would be looking at right now is Al Horford State. That is scenario number one. Mm, that's a conversation in itself, you know? They're in a better place right now, short term, but I think the long term implications there would as big of a worry as some of the people who were happy that they didn't end up up with that contract made clear. Because has he regressed this year? Absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. I'm just saying in terms of he fits what they're missing. You know what I'm saying? Like he is the piece that not necessarily would would change everything for the Celtics. But if you look at the spot that they need, the spot that everyone keeps, you know, pointing towards, that is the problem. If you have Al Horford, people aren't pointing towards it as the problem. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Any last thoughts, Sam, before we let you go here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the move is, but I definitely want them to make some kind of move and, and go for it just because I, I, Milwaukee is a monster. But other than that, there isn't another team in the East that really scares me. And, you know, Hayward is, is, is about to turn 30, and I think Kemba's already 30, and, and, and those guys are right at the age where they kind of have to go for it now. And But either way, you know, it's just watching Jalen and, and Jason these last few weeks here, I mean, it's really exciting to see um, that regardless, with those two guys as our pillars, I mean, at the at the best position wing, I mean, we it's going to be really exciting to watch those guys because those guys are going to make us contenders. Um, we're just going to have to fill in around them just – really awesome to see that, that, that these players have made the leaps and, and, and Danny made the right selections on those two players. So, anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Go Celtics. Yeah. I have a question, Taylor, before we get out of here. If the Bucks and Celtics are meeting in the East Finals right now, what would you pick the series at? Uh, with my head or my heart? Your head. Head, 4-1. Heart, 4-2. Not that much of a difference. I believe in this Celtics team a lot. I, I'll be the first to admit it that I really do believe in this team. But Giannis, Giannis is at a different level, and I understand what happened last year in the conference finals, but the Celtics don't currently have Kawhi Leonard on the team. It's a gap that's hard to fill, and there's probably not a move out there at this deadline that fills the gap all that much. So 
you look to consolidate. I, I think that's what you do at this deadline. You consolidate the bench a little bit, package up some of those guys that don't seem to have as much upside. Everybody's fallen in love with a lot of the young guys on the team. But seriously, out of five, six rookies or second-year players, how many can you seriously develop? And that's what the it's Celtics Grant. have to ask themselves. Yeah. So Grant's the guy. Langford, Edwards, um, Waters, all those guys are you know pieces to move, whatever way it can be. Even draft picks. I mean, they have three draft picks this year: the Celtics, the Bucks, uh, which will obviously convey because they're the best team in the league, and uh, the Grizzlies is almost certainly going to convey at this point too because they're a pretty good team. They can't add another three young guys to this fold. No, definitely not. So, like, you're either saving this array of assets for draft night next year where you'd absolutely have to try to move up because it's an even thinner draft coming up, or you try to get a rotation guy right now that can just consolidate this a little bit. And I'm not asking for anything crazy. Glenn Robinson, Evan Turner, I mean, a lot of these names that have been floated around aren't sexy. They're not Clint Capella, but they could end up helping just by consolidating the bench just a little bit. So I don't have to choose between three wings on a given night with three of them unlikely to contribute. I love Ojale, love Green. I think that's where they need to upgrade, though, because those guys don't give scoring, shooting, anything of the like. They give athleticism, defense, not enough, especially if Smart goes down. Right. So good show tonight. Great game. I love the back-and-forth pace. Hayward, again, I mean, we got to hit on Hayward real quick before you leave. 20 points. The assist late, the rebounding that he's given them. I mean, what more can you say? He's carrying them through this stretch of eight games where they've won seven with the scoring, glued together, back there, all those different things. I mean, he's just been awesome. Couldn't ask anything more from him right after he was getting his most intense criticism of the season. But you do have the one of 11 against Philly. So how do you weigh those two things? Gordon Hayward is, is what he is. He goes and finds 16 to 17 points, even when Jalen and Jason are on, you know, very quietly. But the additions he makes are so valuable, and they don't take away – they're not at the expense of anyone else in the team, or at least it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be that way. And I think that's so valuable to have such a smart player who can do so many things really under, under pretty good control on your team. I'm taking that, you know, nine times out of ten. Well, that's our show for tonight. Celtics win 123-2-1-11. We have a trade deadline on Thursday. First, the Celtics are going on a homestand for a bit here back in Boston. I believe Wednesday is the Magic, which is always a challenge. And then the Hawks again on Friday, who we've seen through two games. Extremely challenging here for a very tough uh, three-game stretch that's going to follow that. So make this 9 out of 10, and then 3 Extremely hard games are going to follow after the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. One more game before the deadline against the Magic. Do we have a new-looking team on Thursday afternoon? We'll see. It'll be back in Boston, and uh, we'll have reaction to that on Friday night after the Hawks and Celtics play. Also, subscribe to Dome Theory with Taylor and I. Um, We'll have a podcast that day as well with more immediate reaction. And uh, enjoy Wednesday night's game. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Celtics Postgame Show on clnsradio.com. Thanks for listening. 
The Celtics might not be in action every day, but we are, so stay connected. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Radio and check out our broadcast schedule for the best weekly sports podcast on the web.